Given Once for All podcast. My name is Shannon Lee, and I'll be your host today. This week, we're going to look at a, we're going to kind of wrap up our series on the early church, and we're going to tackle one more issue that I believe has been corrupted today, a belief that they had. This week, we're going to talk about hell. We're going to specifically be looking at a verse that um, looks very condemning if you read it in the English. And so we're going to read Matthew 25. Now, this whole um, chapter here, starting with verse 1, it goes into the parable of the ten virgins, and it talks about the the ones that had the oil and the ones that didn't. And, and then it goes to the parable of the talents. And it talks about, you know, the one that hid his talent. And and then it goes into judgment. It says, in, says when the Son of Man comes in glory. And it talks about the king will say to those on his right and his left. This is the area that we're looking at. I'm not going to read all of that. But I am going to focus on verse 46. And it said, And these will go away to eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life. Now, here we see this is used um, to say, well, you know, in the end, God's going to separate everybody and those on his left hand, those that were wicked, those that didn't receive Christ, those that harbored evil in their hearts, they're going to just go away to eternal punishment. And then those on the right, those that were the good boys and girls, those are the ones that received Christ, they're going to go to eternal life. Now, that's what the words say. But as we've learned throughout this journey, if you spent any time with me, um, you see that we need to take a look at these words a little closer. Because when the Bible was translated to English, Many times the translation did not carry over to what the author was actually meaning to say. The question we're going to answer this week is, is there an eternal burning hell? Are there people that are going to be burning in hell for all eternity? And as we looked at last week, if statistics are right, and we we believe what the church says today, that you must confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, otherwise you will not make heaven your home. Then, as we looked at last week, a majority of all humans born will be in this hell that burns forever, with no chance of escape, with no hope of remediation, with no comfort, with no love. Okay, so before we get into the words of this verse, let's look at the early church. As I said, we're going to conclude our study on the early church. And a lot of the material that I'm going to draw from this week um, comes from a a well-crafted article by Richard Murray. And in this article on the web, it's called Four Reasons the Early Church Did Not Believe Hell Lasts Forever. And I'm going to be drawing from that article periodically. 
One of the interesting things that he points out, um, as he did research into the early church, is that there were six known theological schools that that these were, I guess you would say, modern day seminaries, but to them were their seminaries where they taught, um, they taught people to be leaders in the church, and they they spread the Christian doctrine. They began to hash out the details um, of the Trinity and of Christ and his, did he come in a body or in a spirit? There was many things that were dealt with in the early church and um, false doctrines that had to be brought down. There were six main um, schools of theology. Four of them taught that all men would eventually be rescued from hell that all people would be redeemed, that that was the point of the cross. These being the theological schools of Alexandria, Antioch, Caesarea, Edessa, and one school in Ephesus taught annihilation. So that was the fifth one, which annihilationism is is that sinners are totally incinerated to nothingness in hell. And I still hear, hear that being taught today. And then there was only one school, one of the theological schools, that taught that eternal punishment was forever. And that was the school in Rome, in Carthage. This um, doctrine that all people would be redeemed, that hell was not an eternal thing, was believed by four out of six of the seminaries of their day. This is what was taught in the early church. The word for this belief that all people would be restored comes from the Greek word apokatastasis. And I know I didn't pronounce that right, but I'm not Greek. <laughs> um, which means to re means reconstruction or restitution. Um, it speaks of a restoring of all things. Now, this teaching was taught by many of the early church leaders, Barsadian, Clement, Origen, Didymus, St. Anthony, St. Pampilus, um, the martyr, Methodius, St. Macarena, St. Gregory of Nyssa, and probably the other two Cappadocians, St. Evergus, Punctus, Diadri of Tarsus, St. John of Jerusalem, Rufinius, St. Jerome, and even St. Augustine in the first half of his ministry or the early years of his ministry, he believed in this. He eventually abandoned this doctrine that all things would be restored. But he did recognize in one of his writings that a great deal of Christians in his day, in his day did indeed embrace it. He said, indeed, the vast majority, or the imano quam plurimi, or a very numerous Christians, albeit not denying the Holy Scriptures, do not believe in eternal torments. Um, we have Cassian, St. Isaac of Nineveh, St. John, Dilithia, and the list goes on and on. Maximus the Confessor. There's there's many of the early church, at least 28 and many more that 
can be pointed out that taught apocatastasis, and they drew their conclusions from the Bible. The majority of the early church believed that hell was a place where God would rescue, reform, and reconcile all lost sinners back to himself. And that again was from uh, Richard Murray. So hell was a, the way the early church viewed it, was a place that was restorative. And yes, it brought discomfort and anguish, but it wasn't from torment. It was from from evil being exposed and brought into the light of love and the pain that was brought from that exposure and understanding. It was much like the story of the Christmas Carol where Ebenezer Scrooge was led through his life and the pain brought him to tears and and anguish at times. But in the end, it brought him to restoration. That was the mindset of what people in the early church had for hell. It was a place that brought the unrepentant sinner to a place of restoration and wholeness and redemption. So let's get back to our verse in Matthew 25, 46, where he said, And these on my left will go to eternal punishment, and these on my right will go to eternal life. This is the verse most often used to scare people into heaven, away from an eternal hell. So let's look at this verse. Eternal punishment. So the word punishment is the Greek word colossus, and it literally meant pruning. Um, It later became punishment inflicted for the betterment or the improvement of the sufferer. It was a healing or a corrective um, word. It, if you know anything about pruning, you you take and you look and you see the dead things on the branches on the on the vine or on the tree or or the plant that you're trying to to restore, and those things are draining life and bringing death, and you cut those dead parts off, and in such a way with skill that it leaves the plant whole and it becomes more vibrant and it lives because of that pruning process. That is the idea behind the word Colossus. It's not a vindictive or an angry punishment. It's not a casting away of forever forget forgetting this person existed because they rejected. No, it was a corrective measurement. That's what this word meant. And today we translate it as punishment. And we think punishment as being God is angry with us and we messed up this time and so he's going to punish us in this place called hell. The next word, the word that was translated as eternal, is the word aeonios. And it literally means an unspecified point of time. It's it's an eon. That's where we get the word eon from. Eon doesn't mean forever. It means a period of time or an age. 
So how this word aeanos is used in the Greek, specifically the Bible, is the only thing that's eternal is God. The only thing that's forever is love. So when the word aeanos is used in conjunction with something that already is temporary, then it means a a period of time. But when it's applied to something that is eternal, like God and his kingdom and the things of God, then it is eternal. It's an age of God or an age of eternity. So here we, we understand the mistranslation of this word, and we see the mistranslation of this phrase and how it has brought fear to Christians since the English and Latin versions of the, of the Bible, and how people began to develop an idea that hell was for eternity. So this phrase should properly be translated as the, the phrase aeanos colossus or colossus aeanos, an age of correction. See, even death, hell, and the grave all have an end point. All things will be restored and redeemed. So when hell has, a, has been defeated and it has a definite end point, we understand that the proper translation of this is an age of correction. It's not an eternal correction. And it wouldn't be correction if it was eternal. There would have to be an end to it. So then we have the term aeanos zoe, which is age of life. Zoe is life. It's that life that only God can give. It's that abundant, overflowing, eternal life. So here we have aeanos paired with an eternal quality and gift from God of life, of zoe, this life that was promised in Scripture, so we can properly translate aeanos zoe as eternal life. But aeanos colossus is a period of time of correction, of helpful correction, of betterment, of pruning, of improvement, of healing to the person being corrected. See, love is the only thing that is eternal, and God, by definition, is love. Everything we read and attempt to interpret must be done so through the lens of the fact that God is love. If we look at and try to interpret through any other lens, if we try to paint God as a vindictive God or as a as, as a holy God that cannot be in the in stand our presence, or of anything else other than the fact that God is love, then then we will come to a false conclusion. And by reading, and Jesus came to show us who the Father was, and by understanding by his life and the things that he did and that he said, we can properly interpret Scripture and be blessed by it. So is there an eternal burning hell? Are there people in anguish without hope? No. 
I don't believe the Bible teaches that. And the early church didn't believe that. For those that reject the gospel, for those that surround themselves and envelop themselves with evil, for those that refuse to acknowledge God and and operate in selfishness and anger and lust, there will be a loving age of correction, an age where their evil is brought to light and shown to be paid for by the cross, and they will be brought to that revelation and restoration and peace in the kingdom of God. Well, I hope this helped you today, and I want you to remember that God is madly in love with you. Until next time.